to Why a Book, the podcast where we review YA books. Yeah. And do nothing else. Uh, we do a lot of other, a lot no, of other only, things. We only review the books. Strictly, yeah. Strictly the books. <laughs> I'm Renee. And I'm Mary. And uh, this week, we're diving back into Allie Carter, our girl who brought us Gallagher Girls, into a much better book that has significantly less hype. Hmm. It's called Heist Society, mm-hmm. and it's the Ocean's Eleven spinoff no one asked for. <laughs> but Ocean's Eleven Trilogy, they're my guilty pleasure films. I've watched them more times than anyone probably should. <laughs> so that might be a factor in why I like this book so much, but I do think it's better than Gallagher Girls. So you'll we'll see what you think based on your <laughs> memory of Gallagher Girls. Oh, God, we'll see. I just remember there's the private school, and she risks it all for a boy. Oh, it's really stupid. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's very stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. The description, when Katerina Bishop was three, her parents took her to the Louvre to case it. For her seventh birthday, Katerina and her Uncle Eddie traveled to Austria to steal the crown jewels. When Kat turned 15, she planned a con of her own, scamming her way into the best boarding school in the country, determined to leave the family business behind. Unfortunately, leaving the life for a normal life proves harder than she expected. Soon, Kat's friend and former co-conspirator, Hale, appears out of nowhere to bring her back into the world she tried so hard to escape. But he has a good reason. A powerful mobster's priceless art collection has been stolen and he wants it returned. Only a master thief could have pulled off this job. And Kat's father isn't just on the suspect list, he is the list. Caught between Interpol and a far more deadly enemy, Kat's dad needs her help. For Kat, there's only one solution. Track down the paintings and steal them back. So what if it's a spectacularly impossible job? She's got two weeks, a teenage crew, and hopefully just enough talent to pull off the biggest heist in her family's very crooked history. And with any luck, steal her life all back along the way. Did you ever see the movie Catch That Kid starring Kristen Stewart? Mary. <laughs> of course I have. Because this, this is like the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> When did that movie come out? Um, well, because this, uh, it was definitely before this, because I think this came out 2010. Yeah, so yeah, this is this was, that was like 2001? 2004. 2004, okay. That was a remake of a Danish film, Klatratosin. Klatratosin. I don't know, I don't, yeah, I don't speak Danish. Well, that, it's interesting you bring that up, because there are parts of this book that I feel like are blatantly ripped from Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of originality, I don't know if Allie Carter has it, but it's significantly better than Gallagher Girls, which maybe that's why. Well, don't worry, I have the plot of Catch That Kid up, so if there's any similarities, because I forget the plot of a lot of that film, but I mean, it's, it's, it's different. The setup is different, but the, uh... It's kids pulling up. It's on. kids, kids pulling a heist, yes. Yeah. Well, let's dive into this plot, shall we? So it starts off, and uh, we find out that this has been a very strange fall semester at the Colgan School. It's still a bougie private school with kids guaranteed to go to Ivy's and become the Jeff Bezos and JFKs of the world. Is this private? 
What was that school called? Easton? Easton, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's the stereotypical New England private school. So, yes. Yes. Um, but, so things, that's still normal. But what has been off is that there was a last-minute dropout the day before the school year started, which never happens because everyone wants to get into the school. And it's so weird to have someone drop out. But what's even weirder is that there was unusually only one person on the wait list available to take the open spot. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, And this girl who filled that empty spot is now at the center of talk on campus because of a prank involving the headmaster's expensive car ending up in a school fountain. And this student, who we know is Katharina Bishop, is a girl of mystery. No one really knows anything about her, like how she got, why she's in this school, what her kind of pedigree is. There are rumors that she's Russian royalty because her name is Katarina. Um, and she doesn't tell people this, but she is not Russian royalty, but she does have a Fabergé egg, which is something that they steal in one of the Ocean's Eleven movie, Ocean's Twelve, I believe, involves stealing a Fabergé egg. Anyway, (laughs) so Kat gets called into the headmaster's office to face the honor committee because there's an honor code, like, private. (laughs) And it's made of 12 students and 12 alum or faculty. It was 12 adults. Um, Mm -hmm. And they start the meeting with them all chanting, honor for one, honor for all. (laughs) Again, I... (laughs) I don't know if there are... I assume there are private schools like this, and I'm so happy I went to public school. Yeah. Um, so they accuse her of committing this prank, and she claims she didn't do it, but there is video that shows a girl that looks just like her um, at the scene of the crime. They have it on record that her ID card was used at the time of the incident um, to get back into the dorm, and they found the car's license plate in her dorm room. Um, so all very incriminating evidence, and, uh, during this interrogation, you find out that her father works in distributing art, and that her mom passed away when she was only six. Uh, and she's a sophomore, so it's probably a quinceanera conspiracy. Great. You'll have to see it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so she's been framed by someone who clearly knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. and she realizes this. She also is like, this is not how I pull that con. Like, I could get away with this, and they wouldn't know it's me, but she can't tell them that. Mm-hmm. So she gets expelled immediately because she can't explain herself. Mm-hmm. And as she's leaving the school, and she's just kind of on the school grounds, she says out loud to herself, well, I guess it's over. And a voice responds, actually, it's just beginning. <laughs> okay. It's her friend, Hale. Um, and it takes her a hot sec to piece together that he is responsible for her expulsion. She's extremely smart, but in this moment, she's like, oh, like, why are you here? Like, doesn't realize that there's any connection. It takes mm-hmm. her a good time to realize that the reason he's there is because he got her expelled. Yes. Uh, and he explains that it's okay for what he did because the... Headmaster's car was actually a gift from W.W. Hale IV uh, to apologize for some shenanigans that W.W. Hale V did in the 8th grade um, before he left the school, and he is, in fact, the 5th in question. Okay, I was going to say, um, obviously it's him. Yes, so the, the headmaster wouldn't have that car if he wasn't a little shit. 
Yeah. So it's okay for him yeah. to put it in the fountain. Great. Um, and we have learned that he has since tricked his dad into thinking he attends another bougie private school, but it's something he created. Like, he's made a fake, uh, presumably, like, a fake website. He's sending fake report cards and, like, is conning his father into thinking he's attending school and not actually attending any school. Fantastic. Yes. Um, he's a year older than Kat, so... Um, he would be a junior if he was actually attending school. And we, and we find out that Kat doesn't know what the W stands for, and she just keeps guessing. You don't find out. but you It's something you expect to find out towards the end, but you never find out what it stands for, at least in this first book. But things she's tried that he hasn't, that he, like, hasn't said yes to, sometimes he doesn't even, it's not that he's denying it, he just sometimes doesn't answer. But what she's crossed off her list are, uh, Wesley, Walter, Ward, Washington, Warren, Waverly, and Watson. So it doesn't seem to be any of those. I think it's Woodford. Woodford? Ooh, she hasn't tried that one. <laughs> Mary, you might have had you might you might have it. Um, can I just say that Woodford was when I was catfishing on the internet, I made up a cousin named Woodford. <laughs> People believed it. Wow, what a family of names. <laughs> if that's the cousin's name. Yeah. So <laughs> Just wanted, just wanted to share that tidbit. I love it. <clears throat> uh, Kat is surprised to see Hale because um, she, she's still under the impression that her dad sent him there. And Hale and Kat's dad aren't on good terms because something went really bad uh, during a job that involved using a monkey. And Hale was the one that suggested using the monkey to begin with. And, like, this is a classic heist thing where it's, like, they always, it's, like, they always just vaguely reference a job that has some crazy aspect. They're, like, you remember the time with the monkey, the time with this. Like, it's, mm-hmm. as someone who wishes they were an international art thief and loves heist genre, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is when Hale explains that Cat's dad doesn't know he's there. He didn't send him. Hale got her expelled because he has a job for her, and he also doesn't think she'd actually be happy at this school. So they travel to one of his family's many homes. This one is in upstate New York, and he has this new Vermeer painting that he stole from someone in Istanbul who bet uh, that his security system was too tough for Hale to break in, and since Hale proved him wrong, he got to keep the Vermeer. Always Istanbul. It's, (laughs) It's always Istanbul. Used to be Constantinople. That's right. <laughs> and Cat <laughs> comments that Hale is a guy that can afford to purchase a Monet, but he steals Vermeer's. Like, that's his personality. He is rich but wants to have fun. Mm-hmm. And he's like, who cares if I can buy shit? Stealing it's more fun. I don't need to launder my money. <laughs> um, so Hale now explains to her this job. And as we explained in the synopsis, paintings were stolen from a private collection in Italy that only two, maybe three crews in the world could have pulled off. And despite that there could potentially be two or three, the private collection owner is convinced that Kat's dad is responsible. And Kat doesn't see the big deal because her dad, Bobby Bishop, deals with situations like this all the time. He's always running into bad guys. And Hale says, this guy isn't dangerous like Bobby or Uncle Eddie. 
This man is Arturo Tacone, and he is a different level of bad. Later, we'll find out that he has some shady dealings in the Middle East. People who are on his bad side disappear. He's straight up a Bond villain. Nice. <laughs> yes. Um, and he has said that he wants his paintings back in two weeks or else. And Kat realizes how serious Hale is and is surprised that her dad managed to get in this much trouble. And Hale says that things are different now that Kat's not around. Uh, and Marcus, the butler, is there getting them food and setting up a room for Kat. And Kat kind of makes a comment that Hale's parents are extremely neglectful, thus why he's acting the way he is. Yes, thus him. He It's a typical, like, oh, we're going to leave our son with the butler as we travel the world and do our rich people things. Don't know, don't know other than continuing the bloodline, don't know why they had a kid to begin with. <laughs> so Hale's not okay. Well, you have to continue the bloodline. You have to continue the WW Hale bloodline. You can't, you can't end at five. Four. Hale's the fifth. Or this Hale's the fifth. That's what I mean. It, he, it would end with five. No, but I'm saying the kid, the, the, because they had the kid. That's it's right. at five. Well, right. It, oh, right. it would have ended right. at four if they didn't right. have the kid. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, so Kat spends that whole night thinking about the issue and decides that she is going to go look for her, um, I put uncle slash dad. I don't, I guess both. Her dad, really. <laughs> um, so she digs through her bag of many fake passports until she finds her real one. Uh, and leaves for a flight to Paris. This is where the bills start racking up. They do not have... You'd think, oh, Hale's rich. They probably have a private airplane. No, Marcus gives her a ticket, which implies it's for a commercial flight. So we're going to... I kept track of all the expenses. We'll get there. (laughs) Anyway, so she finds her dad in Paris uh, and says that... Uh, not to her dad. She has a monologue with herself about how thieves are not supposed to grow attached to places or things. So it feels like she shouldn't love her dad as much as she does. And I'm like, that's a little different. I think you can still love your dad, even if you're a thief. Like, yeah, (laughs) but she makes it like a whole, like, I I love him so much. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, And her dad is not worried about Takone because... He didn't do it, and he kind of has an alibi, and she's like, what do you mean, kind of? And then she sees this newspaper that says that a small gallery in Paris was robbed of a statue, and the dates line up with when the Tacone job happened. So she's like, oh, you couldn't have committed that big crime in Italy because you were doing a slightly smaller crime in Paris. And he's like, exactly, you get it. <laughs> Um, but Kat's now confused about why her dad is still in town because he already did the job since that really goes against best practices. You should get in, get out before anyone can find you. And so that's what she realizes that he stashed the art somewhere and is being tailed by Interpol so he can't grab and go because Interpol is just hot on his tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her dad is mad at Hale for telling Cat about the issue, and he's still mad over Barcelona monkey debacle. Cat's like, hey, we all thought the monkey was trained. It's not Hale's fault. <laughs> Wacky times. <laughs> Wacky times with a monkey in Barcelona. <sighs> um, and she lies to him in this whole book about still being enrolled at school, and she's like, oh, we're just on a fall break. She doesn't want to let him know that her chance at a normal life is gone. 
and she causes a diversion so he can escape his Interpol agents that have been following him. Um, but then a man shows up and she gets kidnapped, essentially, pulled into a car, and it's Takone. Huh. He's offering her a ride to the airport. She didn't ask for one. He's not an official Uber driver. Check the license plates, friends. <laughs> and he demands the paintings back and doesn't care about Kat's explanation of her dad's alibi. He's like, no, he did it. I know it. But, you know, because I've heard great things about your mom's, like, art thief days while she was still alive, and the fact that your mom is from this prestigious crime family, I'm giving you these two weeks to get my paintings back. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives Kat his business card and is like, find me when you have my paintings, please. <laughs> so she goes back to New York and explains everything to Hale who is startled out of bed, didn't know she left, um, and is wearing Superman pajama pants. Is important, apparently, that detail. So she, anyway, plans on getting the paintings back, obviously. And so now we cut to 13 days to the deadline, and it's time to start figuring out where these paintings are. So they go to Madison Square Park, and they witness an attractive, but not handsome... Because Kat has spent a lot of time around handsome people. Her dad's handsome. Hale's handsome. This guy's attractive, but he's not handsome. You know, it's like people who are hot, ugly, and ugly hot. Have you been on that? Oh, and people are like, to be hot, you have to be a little ugly or whatever. No, it's like people who are like, are attractive, but are like, objectively ugly or whatever like they're not like objectively good looking but they're still attractive somehow i can't think of a good example interesting but then there's uh, the other side where it's like they're objectively very handsome but they're not very attractive at least to them okay anyway so this attractive man bumps into a homeless guy but it's not a homeless guy it's one of the greatest thieves of our time uncle eddie so they go to uncle eddie's home he lives in a brownstone in brooklyn (laughs) And thieves should not have permanent addresses um, because they shouldn't have a place that they can be tracked back to. Mm-hmm. But Uncle Eddie, in it, you establish that he's actually the great uncle because um, he was Kat's mom's uncle. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's been in the business for so long, he's top-tier thief, that he can afford the luxury of a permanent residence. But he's that good. Nice. Uh, his plate sets are stolen from the British royal family, and he has a fake Rembrandt hanging on the wall. Cat uh, references that he wasn't the most approving of her parents' relationship, since the dad did not have the same pedigree as the mom in terms of coming from this elite crime family. <laughs> uh, and Cat tells Uncle Eddie that he needs to be careful with pickpocketing, since things have changed since his youth, and there are cameras everywhere, but he is not concerned. And then in walks... Hamish? Hamish? Hamish. Hamish? The British name? I truly don't know. Hamish. I believe it's Hamish. Hamish and Angus Bagshaw. Two British boys, probably like 18 years old, Mm -hmm. um, who are, I mean, not relatives, but in the family. Okay. Uh, She finds out that they all did a job together in Germany when she was at school and she feels really left out. And you can tell, like, it's, you know, she she chose to leave, but she's upset that they're continuing their lives without her. Classic, like, YA girl energy. Yeah. 
Uh, and so Kat references some heists her family throughout the generations, or like I guess this generation, have planned um, in her uncle's apartment just so you really know how amazing they are at these heists. So they stole the De Beers diamond, and they hijacked 80% of the world's caviar supply at some point. Oh. How you do that? Why you do that? What do you do with the caviar? That's, yeah, I have a lot of questions about the logistics of that. Like, uh-huh. how, wait, at what percent? 80. Like, it's not like it's all kept in one location. Yeah, it's... I don't know. And, like, why? I don't know. But anyway, that does not have anything to do with this plot. <laughs> so Uncle Eddie's horrified to hear that Takone paid Kat a visit because he knows how dangerous Takone is. And he scolds Hale for letting that happen. And Kat snaps and reminds them that, one, she is in the room because they're, like, talking to each other and about her but not addressing her. Mm-hmm. And, two, that she is capable of making her own decisions. Uh, and it's clear that there was a falling out uh, between Kat and the rest of the family when she chose to go to school and break from the crime life. Uh, but Uncle Eddie is happy to hear she's not at the school anymore. <laughs> and Kat asks for his help so she and Hale can get the paintings from whoever stole them and save her dad. And he agrees, though it won't be easy. He says it will take a couple of days for him to get the name of whoever stole them, um, but they don't have that time. So what he does instead is he shows them the blueprints of Takone's collection because by looking at how complicated this crime is, they can kind of get a sense for exactly who could pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hale and Kat leave and they agree that whoever did the job had to be really smart to pull it off and really dumb to decide to do it. And Hale grins and asks if that reminds them of anyone they know. <laughs> And then we cut to 12 days before the deadline, and they're in Vegas, baby! Uh, They're heading to a conference center where the International Association of Advanced Mathematics and Research is holding a conference. Because if there's anyone who loves a trip to Vegas, (laughs) it's mathematicians and their counting card abilities. I, I did just try to think of what that acronym would be, but it's nothing interesting. I am her. Yeah. Um, so they're in a room of some of the smartest people in the world, but there's one who is the smartest of them all that they're specifically looking for. And Hale is incredibly bored by the lecture as they wait for a chance to approach whoever they're looking for. And Kat says, some people value an education. Hale's response, that's cute. Maybe I'll buy you a university or some ice cream. Hmm. She said she'll take the ice cream. <laughs> She has a wine university. Uh, so they see one of the AV guys leave, and they sneak through the door behind him, and that's the guy they're looking for. The smartest one in the room is the AV guy. It's their friend Simon, who is an absolute genius. Uh, turns out that his dad has retired from the crime world or whatever other job he was doing um, at the ripe age of 43. <laughs> uh, Simon says that... People do crazy things when they hit the prime numbers. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but he's consulting with a big name security firm in his retirement. Mm-hmm. And Simon's like him. He's really good with security systems. He's really good at hacking <laughs> security systems. Mm-hmm. So he's their tech guy. Yeah. You gotta have one. You gotta have one. 
And Hale tries to get Simon to show how smart he is with a game of blackjack. And Simon is clearly a very anxious uh, guy because he doesn't count cards since it's frowned upon. And Hale's like, hey, it's not illegal. And Simon just basically starts hyperventilating at the thought of breaking rules. Oh my gosh. But let's still do cons <laughs> and help hack. And yeah. the tech guy's always a nervous one. Like, that's the same thing with in Ocean's Eleven, their tech guy is like an anxious wreck. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've tried to remember and catch that kid. I don't remember. No. Um, so they show him the blueprints, and he compares it in compares it to breaking into Fort Knox. And he's just like, you feasibly can't do that. And they're like, well, the good news is we're not trying to break in. We're just trying to figure out who could break in. <laughs> um, and Simon says he'll pull a list of who he thinks could have done this, and that will be a very small list. <laughs> and... He asks if this job is why there are two people that have been tailing them since they left the conference. Kat looks over, and it's Ticone's goons from Paris. And she's like, don't worry, guys. We're on it. We're going to find his paintings. Uh, And then Kat decides that she and Hale should go to Italy to start kind of questioning people who live nearby um, and figure out, like, if anyone saw anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, Kat is trying to figure out who they can stay with, and Hale says they can't stay with the DeMarcos because all seven of them are in jail because it was a crazy October. Oh. <laughs> and Hale has someone that they can stay with, but he's being very vague and won't tell her who it is. And she gets a little snippy and is like, oh, is it someone, you know, from your Germany job? Like, someone you met when you were on a job without me? And he's like, Kat... You can't get mad at us for continuing jobs when you decided to just up and go to school. I mean... He's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of puts her in her place for now. Uh, So now it's 11 days until the deadline, and they're in Sabine, Sabina Valley, Italy, Sabin? Sabine? Sabine Valley. Sabine. Sabine! (laughs) Sabine Valley, Italy. Uh, Kat is pissed at Hale because waiting for them when they arrive in Italy is a girl just a year older than Kat who addresses her as Kitty Cat and it's her insufferable cousin Gabrielle. Well you gotta have a cousin that everyone hates. Well only Kat hates her. Alright fair enough. Uh, and it's Gabrielle is a ditzy flirt who drives Kat crazy. Mm-hmm. Um and Kat wonders if all family businesses lead to these situations. Like, is there a shoe store in Seattle that's been family-owned for generations and has led to two girls who can't be left in the same room together? And I want to say yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Gabrielle has done some recon on the building and says it's a fortress, literally, with giant stone walls, and it has a moat, and it has weird living creatures in the moat that she does not want to get close enough to figure out what they are. Uh, and Gabrielle gets snippy with Kat about leaving the family business, and Kat finds out that Gabrielle assisted Hale with the expulsion, and that she was the girl in the security tape that looked like Kat. So Kat's pissed, is about to leave, and Gabrielle drops her ditzy act and reminds Kat that she isn't the only one that cares about her dad, and that Gabrielle wants to help. Um, and Kat reflects on the fact that Gabrielle was trained since she was a child to put on this, like, ditzy girl personality for the sake of cons. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she, and she just, she specifically says that by the age of, like, six, there were four people she was 
taught to address as daddy. Oh my god. (laughs) And her mom is constantly marrying someone new to steal from them. Oh my god. So I, I feel so bad for Gabrielle and she is a real one. Like, she's just a grifter doing her job. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Kat's, like, makes peace with Gabrielle, <laughs> and they're scoping out the fortress, and Kat, no hesitation, walks up and is just like, hey, I'm here to see Takone. Meanwhile, Hale and Gabrielle are, like, hiding in bushes, like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, and he is not a man to be surprised, but Kat's actions surprise him, and he, he actually finds her very funny. He thinks that under different circumstances, they might be friendly acquaintances, and that she reminds him a lot of himself, which is not something you want to hear from, like, a very shady man who has done very horrible things. No. Yeah. <laughs> and he, But he also reminds her that he is not above hurting a little girl. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And she makes a deal with him. She will find whoever stole the paintings and ensure he gets them back if he shows her the evidence he claims he has proving it was her dad. Uh, And this meeting becomes infamous in the future and is told countless times around Uncle Eddie's dinner table. Like, Kat is a legend for doing this. (laughs) And she leaves with a disc that changes everything. (sighs) It really does not. (laughs) The disc. So they watch the footage and they comment on the strategies and moves used by the thief. It's a Benjamin Franklin with a side of Loch Ness, which I love that trope too, where they always have the most ridiculous names for their moves. Where it's like, oh no, can we do the, can we do the this, can we do Loch Ness, can we do pull that? Like the most absurd names for their strategies. What does that mean? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So Benjamin Franklin had something to do with the electricity and the Loch Ness had to do with like going through the moat. So it made, like, but, yeah. yeah. They always have to have ridiculous code names. And they established the person used a tiny submarine to pass through the moat. And that this is a move that Bobby used in Venice a while back. So it's a known move by him, and that's partly why it's looking like he did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they decided to find out exactly how small a submarine would be needed to do this. And we cut to Naples, 10 days until the deadline, they're at Mariano and Son's dive shop. And this is where Bobby got his equipment for the Venice job, so they're trying to find leads for their current case. And Hale goes in under the guise of a rich man trying to buy something to entertain himself. And Kat thinks he's spending too much time just flirting with the sales clerk, so she goes in to speed things up, pretending to be his sister. Uh, and Hale's like, stepsister. And I'm like, why Hale? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Calm down. Um, and it's just, like, the boardwalk scene in the summer I turned pretty with the, like, being very upfront. Oh, my brother. (laughs) Don't worry. Yeah. And they find the kind of submarine that was probably used. It's called the Sirena, Sirena Royal. And Kat says, it's not much bigger than the mermaids it was named after. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which... If you had to guess, um, like, how big a mermaid was. I don't know, about human size. Okay, how tall is the average human? Like, you know, probably between 5'5 five five and 5'9. Five okay. Um, and how wide in feet is the average human? I don't know, like, 
Tufi. Okay. This submarine is six, is six by four. So I guess that's not much bigger than the average mermaid. I guess you, you could guess. say that. And she maybe. says it's about the size of a go-kart. So I guess we've established mermaids are just a tiny bit smaller than go-karts. <laughs> So bear that in mind next time you're reading um, uh, the tale of Emily Winston. Yes. <laughs> so Hale decides to buy it and asks Kat if she has the family credit card so she can do the purchase. And as this is happening, Kat takes the sales clerk aside and explains that Hale is a bored boy who likes toys and always needs to one-up his acquaintances and he loathes having, loathes having the same things as other people, especially the Bernard brothers. And the sales clerk explains that only two people have bought this model, so no need to worry. He's not going to run into other people who have it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, two people? That could be too many. We might run in the same circle as them. And the sales clerk says one was of, like, academic research group, and Kat recognizes that this is probably the cover story that her dad used and that the other was a rich man and Kat's like but we're rich people we might know him and and the sales clerk is like no no this man he had it shipped to Vienna he's not local don't worry his name is Vissili Romani um so Kat's like okay thank you I forget if they actually buy it I assume they do because it would be weird to walk out of the store at that point not buying it. Mm-hmm. And Hale has the money. Mm-hmm. So Hale and Kat take the train to Vienna. Um, and Kat's reminiscing on her decision to go to boarding school. And how when she told her family uh, what she was doing, her uncle Vinny said that boarding school would be like prison. But Kat figured she could either go to boarding school now or prison later. And that boarding school has cuter uniforms. Yeah. That's really the most important thing. Uh-huh. Uh, she also gets a little jealous seeing Gabrielle, who's also on the train, <laughs> just sleeping with her head resting on Hale's shoulder. Mm-hmm. And we're at nine days to the deadline in Vienna. Uh, Marcus, the butler, is there waiting for them. Uh, and Uncle Eddie! Surprise! He showed up. Uh, and Kat asks who Vissili Romani is, and he says, quote, He is no one. He is everyone. And Kat is a little confused because Uncle Eddie is not a man of riddles, so these words must actually mean something. (laughs) Like, pretty literal. And he explains that it is a Chelevec pseudonyma, an alias man. And the old crime families have aliases that they use only when things are too dangerous and they need to keep hidden even from each other. So these are like sacred secret names that you only use in very drastic or, like, very amazing cons. And Uncle Eddie says that they need to stop and that he, they that he will try to make amends with Takone because any job done in the name of Vasily Romani could not be undone by children. Like, the fact that some thief evoked this name means that they mean business. Mm-hmm. They're probably one of the best thieves. Like, there's no way these teenagers could even fathom getting close to this guy. Mm-hmm. And Kat and Hale regroup um, after Uncle Eddie leaves. Kat's upset, Hale's upset, and Hale raises the point that Uncle Eddie would do anything for Kat, but he probably wouldn't do anything for her dad. 
So Hale's not really sure how much Uncle Eddie will actually do to help Kat's dad's situation. Mm-hmm. And um, Kat pieces together that it's odd a rich man wouldn't have his paintings insured mm-hmm. and that he would hide them in such a weird fortress, un- like, underwater we- secret room type thing. Mm-hmm. Um so, and they they kind of brushed off the fact that he wasn't going to the police with, he's a criminal, he doesn't like to work with police, but all mm-hmm. of this together is very odd. So, Kat thinks that the paintings were not acquired legally by this man. And she says that they need to get to Warsaw. So, we're traveling some more. Ooh. Eight days till the deadline. They're in Poland. Kat and Hale show up to Oberum Stein's house. He's one of the world's leading experts on art history. And he almost turns him away, but then he realizes who Kat is. Mostly, he realizes who her mother was. And her mother was a close friend of his. And you find out that Kat actually visited his house when she was really young. She just um, doesn't remember it too well. Mm -hmm. Uh, They show him the surveillance photos of the paintings being stolen. So he can see, because in the tape, you can clearly see what five paintings were taken out. Mm -hmm. And he is horrified. And he says that these paintings are prisoners of war. And this is one of those parts, this is one of the parts that I think is actually really cool. Because, I mean, it's, like, historically accurate to Mm -hmm. a certain extent. Um, The paintings themselves, like, the names are fake. But he says that these five pieces, which include a Degas, Renoir... Uh, Vermeer and I forget the other two were stolen from people by the Nazis during mm-hmm. their regime uh, and he says the men who stole these paintings were evil the men that they gave these paintings to were evil and these paintings have just been wrongfully taken from families who were the victims of Nazis and then these paintings were used for malicious barterings and dealings um and that none of these paintings have ever been seen since the war, hmm. which, I mean, that is that happened. It's a whole problem. There's so much art that went missing because the Nazis just ravaged where they went. And, yeah. like, it's, all, it's I just, as a history nerd, <laughs> I love that she threw this in here. It's just so cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that is me freaking out. I love it. I love history. I love art heists. It's a great time to be Renee reading this book. <laughs> so they're getting ready to leave in Auburn. I don't know how to pronounce the name. Uh, Stein. <laughs> we'll just call him Stein. Mentions that uh, he thought they were there because of what happened at the Henley. Uh, and he elaborates that there was a theft by someone named Vissili Romani. So now, seven days until the deadline... Cat and Hale have to head on over to London, and they talk. Cat talks about how the Henley is one of the greatest art museums in the world. Hale has never visited because, quote, you wouldn't bring an alcoholic to a liquor store. Mm. Okay, Hale. Yeah. So I guess he cannot be trusted to go to one of the greatest art museums. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was reading this, I was like, wow, why haven't I like heard of this place? I've been to London. Like, I love museums. Why do I not know about this museum? It's not real. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's why. <laughs> I was like, wow, am I not cultured? <laughs> it's a fake museum. Um, and it turns out that the crime that happened wasn't actually a theft. 
a nighttime security guard walked by a painting. Everything was fine. And then not too long later, when he passed by on patrol again, there was a business card with Romani's name wedged between the actual painting and the glass frame. And he was like, hold up. This place is alarmed. Um, what? How did this happen? Uh, but he notified others. But when other people showed up, the card was gone. So it's a bit of a, did that actually happen? People aren't too sure. It's kind of now all the tourists are going to see where this potential, like, break-in happened. Um, and most people are brushing it off as a mistake, but Cat and Hill know that something's up because it's Vissily Romani's name. And um, they go to the room of the museum where the card was left, and Cat realizes that there are five paintings on the wall where the card was left, and they're looking for five paintings stolen by Romani. He wasn't taking something. He was hiding five paintings behind those arts. <laughs> so. Okay. I mean, pretty baller move. How, where do you hide stolen paintings? Behind other paintings in an extremely locked down and secure museum. But, like, how? Like, in the wall? No, 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 no. So it's like you take the frame out take the painting. Oh, you know how, like, a lot... okay. Peel back the painting. For some, I was imagining that it was still in the frame, and I was like... No, no, work. it's the... It's out of the frame. For, whenever I think of, like, fine art, I imagine... The frame like, is part of the art. Yes, and yeah. it is a rigid thing that cannot be... Yeah. Then, but that's not how it is. No. Canvas is fabric. <laughs> yeah. So, um, they leave the museum, and Kat thinks about how she has three options. One... Tell our Italian friend Takone to meet her at the Henley and let him deal with retrieving the paintings, assuming she is correct and the five are behind there. This, you can imagine this won't probably go over well to Kone, so it's not the best option. He wants them directly given to him. He doesn't want to deal with her saying, they're here, trust me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second option is notify the museum, and she says this is the least, uh, feasible option because she can't really say hi five paintings that went missing during world war ii have been stashed in your museum and i need them back (laughs) that's a little awkward phone call yeah so what does that leave her with she's got to put together a crew and rob the place let's do it let's do it uh and no one has ever robbed the henley in the history of the museum existing and they would need extremely high-tech equipment and a highly skilled and trusted crew. And they only have a week. And Kat's talking to this, uh, talking about this with Hale. And Hale's like, hey, guess what? I'm extremely rich. And guess what else? And they walk inside his home. We have friends. And the Bradshaw brothers, Simon and Gabrielle, are all waiting for them there. This just gave me a vivid flashback to a fan fiction I read. Is this the Haikyuu Ocean's Eleven yes. AU? I I haven't read it yet. I don't know why I haven't. You've well, always you've, told me to read it. Yeah, but it's been abandoned. Yeah. After only a few chapters, oh. so it's like a little frustrating to read. It's very good, but you're gonna get too hype, and then there's gonna be nothing. Mm, left. Maybe I should just write my own. Maybe you should. Maybe I should. anyway. This just gave me a bit of a flashback. Again, it's Ocean's Eleven. Cat explains that they have a job. 
that does not have Uncle Eddie's blessing, which is a a big no-no in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And the job is also extremely dangerous, but it will help her dad escape his predicament. So they're all in. And they're like, you know what? Uncle Eddie probably already knows what we're doing. Like, let's be real. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't sneak much past this man. <laughs> he just hasn't come to stop us yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next day, they all go to Case the Museum. Kat and Hale are pretending to be a couple, taking selfies around the building, but they're really photographing all the exterior security cams. The brothers are doing the same thing inside. They're, like, goofing off, like, at the cafe, um, but really taking photos of the place so simon is seemingly playing a video game but is really hacking into the security systems like he's just walking around like mm-hmm. i mean switch wasn't a thing back then but <laughs> essentially probably probably a ds um <laughs> gabrielle is acting like she's day drunk <laughs> and mm-hmm. accidentally falls and touches a piece of art to see Oops. how quickly the security system goes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Takone and his goons show up and take Kat aside. And she tries to get an extension and explains everything. And she's like, no one's robbed from this museum before. It's a miracle we can pull it off. But, you know, can you please give us some extra days since we at least know where they are? And he demands she sticks to the original deal or else... And he threatens everyone she's close to and gives her an envelope full of pictures um, showing that they've been tailing all of her friends and family. They know everyone. They know who to hurt and how to find them. Great guy. Love it. Again, he is just a Bond villain. (laughs) Yeah. And she goes back to Hale's home and the brothers approach her and they explain that they're technically blacklisted from jobs right now. Um, because they accidentally conned a nun. <laughs> Not no they claim they don't they didn't know she was a nun when they conned her, and it's taboo to con an honest fellow. So Uncle Eddie has temporarily blacklisted them for this faux pas. Good. Um and Kat says it doesn't matter because this is an unofficial job, so they're more than welcome to be part of the crew. <laughs> And so they all regroup and discuss what they discovered. Uh, Simon says the security system technically can't be overridden to the extent he needs it to be, but um, there is a way around hacking it. It's like this whole long explanation about how they're upgrading, but the room that they need to rob hasn't been upgraded, so it's the older system that he can get into. He still can't do much, but he can at least get into it. It's a whole... Basically, like, there's other parts of the museum he really can't do much. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, he can do something, but not what they need to really rob the place. And uh, in terms of Gabrielle's job, they found out that the grates over the paintings um, fall down 1.2 seconds after touching. And then the gates of the room close down 5 seconds after touching. Uh, They have no plan, but they have at least half a dozen plans that they can already say no to because they won't work. (laughs) Um, And this is the part where they list different strategies. Uh, Someone says Mary Poppins, but they need rain for that to work. Five o'clock shadows. um, The backup generator would be a problem. Uh, Princess Bride, do you know where we can get a six-fingered man in such short notice? We should watch The Princess Bride. (laughs) We should. But, like... (laughs) What con? What? How? What is? 
Like, why do you need six fingers? I don't know. Um, Kat gives them some, like, other tasks to do and says she'll be back soon. And Marcus is somehow already prepared with her suitcase and ticket. And she goes to Paris to see her dad. Five days until the deadline in Paris. She uses one of her disguises to go visit uh, doc- doctor, <laughs> not doctor, Detective Amelia, um, the last name's like Bennett or something, I don't know, do- Detective Olivia, <laughs> do you want to start over on that one? <laughs> so, using one of her disguises, she goes to meet with Amelia, the Interpol detective assigned to her dad's case. Okay. Um, and then we cut to later. She's tailing her father, and so he calls her, and he says that she needs to give up the Henley job and let Eddie take care of it, and that she should just go to school and live a good life. But then um, Amelia shows up and arrests her dad based on information that Kat gave them. So she has turned in her dad to Interpol for the... Paris robbery in an attempt to protect him from Takone because she doesn't think Takone will make a move against her dad if he's under Interpol's lock and key. Uh, on the way back to her hotel, an English boy bumps into her and then she bumps into him again. And the boy goes to his hotel room and Kat's there waiting for him because he stole her wallet. And guess what? She also stole his wallet in return. Oh, this isn't a. This is actually a scene from Ocean's Eleven when they're putting together their crew. Brad Pitt's like, I think we need one more person. So George Clooney goes to Chicago. He witnesses Matt Damon pickpocket someone on the subway. Matt Damon goes to pull out the wallet after he gets off the subway. The wallet's gone. George Clooney's like business card or something's in there. But then he meets with George Clooney, and then he manages to steal George Clooney's wallet again. <laughs> That's, I'm not exaggerating when I say I've seen that film several thousand times. I've never seen it. The only Ocean's movie I've seen was Ocean's 8. Okay. I, I don't know people didn't like it. I liked it. I You know, it wasn't bad. It fits the same... It's the same energy as the other three. They're not high-class movies. No. They're a fun time of shenanigans and art heists. Like, is this supposed to make sense? No. no. We'll watch Ocean's Eleven sometime. Um, anyway. So Kat, from stealing his wallet, discovers his name is Nick, and he's 16. Um, we find out that he works solo, and she offers him a spot on their crew. So Kat returns to England, and everyone freaks out about her turning her dad in since it totally breaks their code of conduct, and Hale's the only one who seems to understand, but then Hale freaks out when Nick walks in, and Kat's like, I picked up this random kind of attractive guy in Paris to join our crew. (laughs) Um, So Kat and Hale have a little falling out because of this, um, and Hale says, like, hey, Nick isn't part of the family, and Kat snaps back, neither are you, Hale. Damn. Uh, So then we cut to Gregory Wainwright, the Henley's director, who is somewhat new to the position, and his assistant says he has a visitor. It is one W.W. Hale V. And Nick refers to Kat as Miss Bishop, and she is surprised he's figured out her identity since he 
should have had a fake name of hers based on what he stole from her, I guess. <laughs> um, that's not established, but that's the only way that would make sense. Anyway, he says that he's heard that she walked away from the thief world. Cat's like, well, clearly I'm here for at least this job. <laughs> anyway, so Hale is distracting and kind of questioning Gregory uh, under the guise of wanting to donate a piece of art from his family to the museum. And while this is happening, Simon is working on getting into the security system, uh, and Cat and Nick are on watch out to in case something happens with Hale and that they need to like kind of intervene and add extra distraction mm-hmm. and that, that does happen so Nick kisses Kat and the, the director's like teenagers no PDA in my museum ugh <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hale finds out that the staff is very spooked about what happened and Kat suggests they give them a reason to be terrified and they're going to move ahead with Smokey the Bear. I'm sorry. Yeah? Can we back up a sec? Yes. Smokey the Bear. Smokey the Bear. <laughs> You'll find out. Okay. So Kat also says that they've been going about this the wrong way. Uh-huh. They need to think of this not about, not as stealing from the Henley, but stealing at the Henley. Big difference. It will be in the end. Do you know why she's saying that? Well, they're not stealing things that belong to the Henrys. Exactly. (laughs) No one knows they're there. No one will know when they're gone. So. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) The others say that they will get caught, but Kat says they should go ahead and get noticed. So Kat's, everything's piecing together in Kat's mind, not everyone else's. Um... Back at the mansion, though, they have a little bit of a pre-heist celebration, and Nick asks who this Uncle Eddie is that they're all talking about, and they explain that, are you ready? Here's family tree time. Uncle Eddie is Gabrielle and Kat's great... Why do I say great-grandfather? He's the uncle. <laughs> Wait, I was like, great? Great, great uncle. <laughs> so Uncle Eddie is Gabrielle and Kat's great uncle, who was friends with Angus in Ham- Hamish's grandfather. So that's how they fit into the picture. Okay. Um, Eddie's brother brought Simon's dad into the crime family. And Nick asks how Hale got involved. And Hale says, I happened to be home the night Kat showed up to steal a Monet from my family. (laughs) That's how they met. Wow. (laughs) Talk about a meat cute. (laughs) Yeah, that's my, that's goals. Goals. Um, and Kat and Hale have a nice, um, reconciliation that night, and he says that she, uh, she can always count him in, and he found the envelope of blackmail from Takone, and he says, if you want, I can take care of him, I'll have Marcus kill him. I'm always telling Marcus that his job description is flexible. <laughs> I love Marcus. He's just the butler that's put through so much. Oh my god. <laughs> that night, Cat can't sleep, and neither can Hale. Hale calls Uncle Eddie and asks for any connections in Paris. Then we cut to the next day. There are three days left for the deadline. Mm-hmm. Everyone's prepping Nick for the job by listing advice like control the conversation, but make sure the Mark thinks they're controlling it, and a bunch of advice like that. And then Hale says, and never ever, and then gets cut off and can't give the last piece of advice to Nick. 
classic. Which is another scene straight from Ocean's Eleven because they have to change their plan a bit in the middle of it. So they have to send Matt Damon, who has no real con experience. He's literally just a pickpocket like Nick. They have to have him go undercover during the con. (laughs) So they're listing all these advices to him. And then Brad Pitt is like, and never, ever. And then he just leaves because someone else needs something from him. It's exactly, there are parts of this where I'm just like, I think she's watched Ocean's Eleven too many times. (laughs) Yeah. So they start their plan by faking a furnace issue in the museum and calling Gregory about it. So they're just like, oh, um, we're from whatever company. Don't worry. Like, we're going to come in and fix the faulty furnace. But we're talking to the fire marshal. Everything's going to be okay. So Gregory's freaking out. He's like, fire? This is a museum. (laughs) We can't risk a fire. Um, And then Kat gets flowers from Takone. So that night, she and Gabrielle go to Rome to see him, obviously. And she gives him a place and time to meet her when the job is over. Mm -hmm. And he is shocked to find out that she is the witness who got her dad arrested. And he's overall impressed at how she's playing her game and offers a friendship between the two of them, depending on how this ends. And she declines. She has enough friends. (laughs) Imagine, oh, this teen girl does not want to be your friend. (laughs) Damn Takone. Yeah, that sucks. So they go back to England and Hale is upset that she went to see this extremely dangerous man. And she asks why he chose this life. Because it's one thing to be born into it, but he chose it. And he says that... What do you think he says? I don't know. I didn't choose his life. I chose you. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. and says inside is all the proof and a signed confession to the car prank that she can bring to the school to try to get readmitted. And then they say, no guts, no glory, let's go do this con. They literally say, "What?" Hale goes, no guts. And Kat goes, no glory. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So one day until the deadline, um, the crew's getting ready and they're shocked because Kat is looking hot and in a feminine fit. Like, her boobs look big. She's wearing a push-up bra. Like, the, all the all the lads, they can't stop looking at her tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Hale pulls Kat aside and is like, hey, I still don't trust Nick. I don't think we should involve him. And Kat's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry. It's just a random guy I found on the streets of Paris. We're fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, at the Henley, Gabrielle is posing as a tour guide. Angus and... Ham, Hamish, 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 Hamish. There we go. Ham sandwich. <laughs> uh, the brothers are pretending to be furnished repair men, and this is why I imagine them using a Cockney accent <laughs> because they're all like they're they're just all like bumbling really fast and like being like, "Mate, we can't just go down there and like just trying to like very uh, uh, confuse the guards and make them all flustered." <laughs> and I imagine their disguise was a Cockney accent. It fit. It fit the dialogue. Um, I will not be doing my Cockney accent for you at this time because uh, no one would ever listen to this uh, again. <laughs> I 
And I also can't... Don't think I'm in the right mindset to do my Cockney accent. It's too bad. It's too bad. But it's Tuesday! (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing is... I think it's Cockney where they do the weird rhyming thing. Where they just, like... Their slang are just words that rhyme with each other. That have no context. Oh, I didn't know. You did Oh. Please hold. It's Tuesday, isn't it? It really is Tuesday. Oh, it is. Here we go. The ultimate guide to Cockney rhyming slang. We're going to do a little quiz. Okay. We're going to see how well Mary knows. Okay, what do you think the phrase apples and pears means? Um, it's, uh, it's good. It's, uh, another way to say stairs. Oh, I forgot it's supposed to rhyme. Uh-huh. Army and Navy. Army and Navy. And navy. Navy. Aviary. Gravy. <laughs> um, bees and honey. Bees and honey. Money. Yes! Woo! Mary! Okay, um, basin of gravy. Basin of gravy? Um. Uh, this one's a, not a. I guess maybe in a weird accent it could rhyme. Um. Blueberry. Baby. Baby. Look at that basin of gravy. Okay. Look at that baby. Yeah. Anyway. Good job. You got one. Wow. Where was I? Um. Oh, here we go. So we cut to Hale. He gets a call from Eddie. And Eddie goes, I touched base with Paris contacts. You were right about him. Anyway, we cut to Kat, who's entering the room um, where the stolen paintings are stashed. Hale follows shortly, dressed like a billionaire himself, mm-hmm. <laughs> and pushing his uncle, played by Marcus, the butler, uh, who's in a wheelchair for this con. And Marcus is having the time of his life getting to play the role of a snobby old rich man. Mm-hmm. And he insists um, that he needs to get out of his wheelchair, even though he's been having some health issues, because it would be a crime to look at art from that angle. <laughs> he needs to be eye-to-eye with the art. <laughs> okay. Um, and Hale's trying to get Kat's attention, which really throws her off, because they aren't supposed to act like they know each other for the con. Um, and then all of a sudden, smoke... And fire alarms, everyone has to evacuate. And in a rush, Marcus has to leave behind his wheelchair. (sighs) But he gets out fine. The only people who don't go out are Kat, and then Nick sneaks into the room. Um, So we cut to Hale, who is outside, and he is worried about Kat being stuck inside with Nick after what he found out from Uncle Eddie. Um, And our dear friend Gregory is with Hale, and he mentions that the fire protocol isn't water because, God, can you imagine sprinklers in an art museum? (laughs) Everything would be destroyed. Yeah. Which I feel like I've read oh no, I don't know if it's Ocean's Eleven some heist book or movie this is a thing that happens too, which is, I mean it's an actual method. Um, It's that oxygen is sucked from the room. That's how they do fire procedures for when you can't mm-hmm. do sprinklers. It's yeah. like the... I forget where... I, like, I know it's a thing, but there's some other heist work of fiction where it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Nick and Kat, um, luckily, they have oxygen masks that were hidden in Marcus's wheelchair. That's why he had to leave it behind. Make sure uh, you 
Put on your mask before helping others. <laughs> yes. So Simon's hacking the cameras, um, and they find the paintings indeed are behind the actual Henley ones. And the brothers, Gabrielle and Simon, um, join them in the room. And Kat's freaking out because there are only four paintings. One of them is missing. And instead of the painting, behind the original piece of art is... There's a, there's a sassy note. It's just the business card. Uh-huh. It's There's no note, but it's the business card from Romani. And the crew is leaving, and they're climbing through the ducts, and Kat um, goes up, and she's supposed to toss the rope to Nick, and she's not, and Nick is like, come on, Kat, what are you doing? And Kat reveals that she's figured out Nick is Detective Amelia's son. Oh. <gasps> um... <laughs> And she realized this because when she was looking at the blackmail photos Takona gave, Nick was in the background tailing her dad in a lot of them, and he looks like Amelia, she's realized. Um, And Nick admits that he started following her to help his mom out unofficially. He was like, oh, if I tell the daughter that I can get information to help my mom with her job, he's trying to be a good son. Help the Interpol agent out. To be fair, Kat and Co. are, are criminals. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> um, and she asks Nick why he joined the crew and agreed to help them, like, to this extent. This is a little, mm-hmm. a little deeper than just, like, bumping into her. And he says it's because he likes her. And Kat's response, a stone-cold wrong answer, leaves him in the room. <laughs> <laughs> just bounces <laughs> like wow yeah power moves only Bye. so they get caught escaping but that's part of their plan they're pretending to be kids that were in an art class in another part of the museum that the museum forgot to clear out properly and Gregory's like what art class but they set it up like there were signs and so he's like no one told me we scheduled this art class and so they're all freaking out because these kids were like they're like these kids were stuck inside like inhaling smoke and they're all like kind of like oh no we're not doing well Simon straight up passes out (laughs) (laughs) um and Takone is watching all of this um happen from his car so security goes in to search the place um, and they find out that uh, nothing is out of place, uh, but Nick is in the room. <laughs> but all the paintings are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they get to the Renaissance wing, and Leonardo's angel returning to heaven is gone. And in his place, Romani's business card. Dun, dun, dun. I wish it was a sassy note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately not. Um, and so we cut to the next day. Uh, Gregory is having a particularly bad day. <laughs> One might imagine. Yeah, well. Um, not only was the Da Vinci's painting stolen, but journalists have uncovered that this particular work was one that Miss Henley, um, 
the founder of the art collection, purchased shortly after World War II and indeed was a painting stolen from Nazis, stolen mm-hmm. by Nazis. Mm-hmm. So uh, people decided that Romani is a vigilante, and I don't know what I was doing when I was typing vigilante. Do you want to guess how I spelled it? <laughs> v I L. <laughs> Uh, A-G-I-N-T. You know me so well. I spelled it V-I-L-L-I-G-A-N-T-I. Yeah, I was like, okay, I was like, I think you you just swatched. Yeah, yep, I did. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so people decided that that (laughs) wrote... People have decided that Romani is a vigilante, much like Deku is now. (laughs) Um, And the Henley Museum is another victim of cancel culture. (laughs) Uh, But also, I didn't go over this earlier because it wasn't really important, but I do think that they modeled this museum after the um, Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum because Mm -hmm. they described the history of the museum and Miss Henley was... A woman in like the 1920s or 30s who instead of doing the normal role of the woman thing uh, started collecting art and having an amazing collection which is how the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum happened except that one has been successfully robbed in the most expensive art heist in history nice yeah so that's what the inspiration for this fictional museum was I'm assuming Anyway, so on top of this whole people being like, LOL, a vigilante stole this, like, Nazi painting, um, Nick was locked in the room where the oxygen was removed. That is a huge, huge liability on the museum's part. But luckily, Marcus's wheelchair was there, so Nick survived. (laughs) Uh, But Nick's mom, an Interpol agent. Nice. She is not happy, and she just gives it to Gregory. Like, she is a badass bitch, and I love her. Um, And she also, on top of being like, how are you running this museum? My son could have died. She gets all kind of, like, snarky with him about the missing painting. She's like, if you don't find it within X amount of days, like... And you're probably, the, the stats for finding it ever are slim to none. And at this point, it's not going to be in pristine. Cause like, she's just listening to all the facts she knows about art heist at this guy. And basically mm-hmm. being like, mm, good luck with that. <laughs> I love Nick's mom. Like, sure, she arrested Kat's dad. But she's an amazing. But is she an icon? She's, yeah. She is the moment. <laughs> And so she leaves with Nick, and I do feel kind of bad for Gregory, and he has his, what they say, a much-needed mental breakdown in private when she leaves his office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor guy. He really, he didn't ask for any of this to happen, but... No. Uh, but here we are. Here we are. Um, day of the deadline. We're back in Paris. So Kat meets with Takone, and he says that her dad is forgiven because she retrieved the paintings. And Kat tells him where the paintings are in a nearby empty apartment. So Takone goes inside, and instead of the five paintings he was expecting, he sees four paintings and a sculpture he's never seen before. Um, that sculpture is from a nearby Parisian gallery, uh, and as he's looking at it, Interpol swarms. 
Cat <laughs> played him. Oh, oh shit. Oh damn. <laughs> International <laughs> crime boss taken <laughs> down by Teen Girl. next to Kat and they discuss how Romani used them to pull off his own con. So it was a con within a con because when I first read it I thought that they stole, the kids stole the Da Vinci painting and planted the business card there mm-hmm. to kind of be like, oh look it, Romani, but no, Romani actually did steal the Da Vinci. Oh. <laughs> um, and Nick's being a little flirty with her. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, she she and Hale are, like, already, like, a whole thing. Let it go. <laughs> but she kind of flirts back, so yeah. she's playing the field, you know. Keeping her options open. Um, and he explains that it did start as a job, but he quickly realized that she's good. And she's like, you mean a good person or a good thief? And he's going, like, both. Um... Poor Canola stuff. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of being a good person, he's referring to the fact that she made sure that these prisoners of war were freed instead of returned to Takone. Um, because she, throughout the whole thing, she always kept, she kept thinking back to the conversation with Stein and about these paintings and their horrible history. Um, and so that's why she didn't want to give them back to Takone. She wanted them to be free. So Hale shows up. Uh, and he and Kat head back to England. And we cut to 25 days after the deadline. They're in New York for the holidays. They're spending the holidays at Uncle Eddie's. And Stein shows up. And they talk about how um, Stein and his colleagues have managed to find some descendants uh, of the families who owned the paintings uh, before the Nazis stole them. And so they've returned them to their proper owners. And Kat says that she's going to find that fifth one like it's she wants to you know have that one back to it belong whoever it belongs to mm-hmm. and who does it belong to stein reveals that cat's great great grandmother or just one great maybe i don't know <laughs> great, great 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 no grandmother no um however old a great however generations ago someone would be if they were friends with monet <laughs> That grandmother okay. um, was an amazing artist and friends with Monet. And Monet did a painting of her, and that's the fifth painting. So, it, and the Nazis stole it, and Kat's like, wait, but we're not Jewish. And Stein's like, no, the, this, the Nazis, they, they were kind of uh, evil towards a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, frankly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so this... Um, fifth painting technically belongs to Kat. And Kat also mentions that she knows that her great-great-grandmother was an amazing artist because the Mona Lisa you see in the Louvre today is a fake that her great-great-whatever-grandmother made. Yes. Where is the original now? She doesn't specify. It's fine. It's fine. Why do you need to know? So, (laughs) Stein says that he thinks Romani will return the Da Vinci piece to its rightful spot as well. Uh, And then he leaves and Kat goes home. And she's kind of thinking about, she's not as good a thief as Uncle Eddie or whoever Romani is. But, you know, she's pretty good herself. Only two people have ever done a heist at the Henley. And it's her and Romani. Mm -hmm. And a package was left outside for Kat. It's from Romani. 
It's the fifth painting. <laughs> Return to her. And he wrote a nice note to her. Not a, not a snarky... Not, no sassy note. No sassy note. And he says that the Da Vinci piece is safe. Da Vinci? <laughs> da Vinci? <laughs> and um, Kat decides that she's going to keep living the crime life. I like she's not going back to school. Great. And this is when we get to the costs of the events in this book. Okay. So, we got a round-trip flight for one for to NYC, Paris, NYC. That is probably... And it's also, it's like, they're buying them very last minute. Mm-hmm. So, the prices are probably out. <laughs> Insane. Mm-hmm. So, that's, that's probably, like, what? $600? Minimum. 600 min. Um, and then a flight for two from New York City to Vegas. Being nice, that's, like... 250 300 each. Yeah. We're on 300 each. So that's 600. So we're at 1200 right now in plane tickets. And then a flight for two from Vegas to Rome. I can't even well Italy, but I cannot imagine how I'm spent like that's what's that like 800 each, 1000 each? No, it's got to be more than 800. 1200 each? I mean, when I went to Italy from Boston, it was like $800. So from Vegas, we're talking we're going to go 1100 each. Uh, cuz right now it's different cuz it's like yeah, I mean, Pandemic. it's, it's 529. But that's or, probably like Ryanair. No, American Airlines. Maybe should we go to Italy? No, American Airlines. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go. We'll say that it was 2000 for the two of them to fly. Because you also know, Hale's going like business class, first class. He's yeah. not. He's, <laughs> so anyway, now we have a train for three from Rome to Vienna. We're going to put that at like. I don't know, 100 US dollars. <laughs> a flight for two. Oh, no, sorry. A flight for three from Vienna to England. And then we're not going to go through all these actual costs. We're going to go. But then it's a flight for one um, Rome. Oh, no, a flight for two NYC to England. A flight one Vegas to England. Round trip flight England to Paris. Round trip flight for two England to Rome. Round trip flight for two England to Paris. Everyone's flights home. A fancy submarine that isn't needed. Food for everyone. Marcus's travel expenses. Disguises. This is an expensive event. And yeah, I'm just gonna assume somebody here has like a black card and Hale. Yeah. Like Hale is. I can't imagine anyone else. I mean, sure, they must make some money off of their crime jobs, but damn. In the span of two weeks, all of these flights? Think of the carbon footprint. Yeah, not good. Yeah, but, um, yeah, that, that I mean, that concludes, um, <laughs> that concludes our tale. <laughs> so, do you think this was better than... Oh, Gallery Girls? Yeah, I mean, Gallery Girls was frankly annoying. It was. <laughs> this was at least entertaining. Yeah, I love a good heist story. Because, like, Gallery Girls was literally, she just risked it all for this mediocre boy. Yes! This one at least is like, fuck you, we're going to rob a museum. Yeah. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to fucking own an international criminal. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Iconic. I do, A, want to watch Catch That Kid again. Um, and Is that on Disney Plus? Ah, Catch That... So, so here's the thing. You used to play on Disney. You used to play on Disney. I thought it was a DCOM. Okay? It's not. It's not. Because it was in theaters. It was. 
because I, I it has a very short wiki page, so I read it. And um, yeah, it's not. It's not a deep It one. was produced by Fox. So it should be on Disney Plus. Because the the acquisition. Hmm. It's streaming. Maybe it's just not streaming anywhere because they don't think people want to watch it. It's on Disney Plus. Um, and then I also want to watch The Princess Bride. And Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. I, frankly, any of them. Because, again, yes. I've wanted to watch them for a while, but haven't. Yes. Oh, I love those movies <laughs> so much. But, yeah, so this is um, not insufferable. No. I had fun reading it. Yeah. Uh, um, any other takeaways? Dominky. Dominky? <laughs> um... I'm guessing we'll be off next week since I'll be gone. Unless oh, yeah. we record on Friday. You will be gone. I will not be, be ready. prepared by Friday. Yeah. Uh, so you won't you you won't hear us next week. But we have we have a bye next week. Yes. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee. Psych. Follow us on Instagram. Why a book podcast. TikTok. Why a book. Email us. We got our first email. We loved it. It was great. We're getting sent a book. We got sent a... I don't know what we're supposed to... <laughs> we got sent an e-book because we live in the U.S. and they didn't want to pay the, uh, oh. the international. But I can say... Oh, I, I didn't realize. They're, didn't they're based in England. But yeah, we got a book that we're going to tell you guys about sometime. Maybe. Someday. XOXO. <laughs> oh, did I, did I say the email? Say what the email address is. Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. XOXO. Dominky. What about all the other ones? I said Instagram, TikTok. Who cares? If you follow us on Twitter, it's in, why? The, it's in the description. If whatever. you follow us, that's the only one we skipped in like Dominky. Dominky. Or not. <laughs> See you next week. Or not. <laughs>